how can we cap this off in a way where they're like, I know exactly what I need to do and I can do it in 10 minutes or less? I think it comes down to figuring it out in public, figuring it out live and in front of people, right? Because I've you spend, it's kind of like the minimum vial product of your messaging, not just your product. How do you stand out in a sales sense and be a, be a genuine person, a problem finder, not a, a, a product pusher? No, that that's that's a hundred percent true, and I think it fits right well in that, especially for the starters. Um, a lot of the times, when we have what was that book? It was called um, the book was called um, Think Bigger, Think or Play Bigger, one of the two. Um, and I remember hearing this. It says um, if you can articulate the problem well enough, it's automatically assumed that you have the solution for it. But if you don't know the problem of the person that you're seeking, your ideal customer, right? If if you don't know like that customer has this type of problem in this way, then you know in a specific way. If you can explain that, I, I, it's like it becomes that magnetic marketing. Someone would, would hear it and will say, "Oh my goodness!" Like let me reach out. And I have a story for you on that one right there. Ooh, it was when I, I had a story. I always got a story, right? Got a <laughs> story. Kind of like how you keep your resources. <laughs> there we go. Um, Marry the two. It's a, it's a good combo. Right? It's a win-win right there. But my story was when um, I was trying to get insurance, right? Uh, trying to lock in that, that uh, health insurance, dental insurance, myself and my little ones and my wife. And I remember uh, for for uh, when the opportunity arose, I was getting a killer deal with, with a specific, at a specific place. I'm talking about like half off, like, and you still get the same level of work. However, and this was open enrollment time, I got an email from someone who I automatically assume was the person that I was supposed to be working with. I did not know that that was not a person, which was a cold email that came, that came at the right time or right place. And I thought it was them. And because our minds bells were like, oh yeah, I reached out, it's open enrollment. These are the people I'm supposed to be working with. I signed up without asking any questions. Fast forward to today, I'm paying twice as much as I would if uh, compared to the person I was supposed to be working with, oh, right? Wow. They came right in front. Like <laughs> I was walking toward that person. They came in right in front and said, hello, with a specific problem of pain. And you know exactly what I want. And I just signed up and I'm now paying twice as much and I'm mad about it. I'm like, man, like, so a lot of the times when, when they speak your problems, they speak it so well. They say, I know what the solution is. You automatically think, just like myself, here's a credit card. Let's go ahead and do it. And that's what they did to me. And now I have to wait a whole year before I cancel and get the right person. Oh, man. It's crazy. Timing is timing is uh, right. such a powerful thing, but it's not like a perfect science that you can latch onto in, in sales per se. But uh, it's getting crazy on how people can find the right triggers to get the right thing in front of someone. Um, but I think you make a great point on... I think Steve Larson says this, right? It's not just a uh, product market fit, it's problem market fit, which goes yeah. into the messaging. But I was just talking yeah. to my coach about this. It was, it starts with uh, targeting, like, right? You you have a person, a, a, a group of people, a target persona that you want to serve. They have a specific problem. Um, and then you need to find that product market fit, but you also need to find, that's your that's your product, your solution, your service, but you need that, problem market fit with the messaging that can fuel the campaign. And that's where we talk about the universal belief, um, which I would love to hear you expand on more because it's, it's both the pain and the desire, right? It's 
It's the, the goal they desire but don't have. The problem they have but they don't want to have. It's, you know, so, saying it some way along those, it's, it's both the problem and the desire. Yeah, you know, ultimately you're selling a destination of getting rid of that problem, but also achieving that thing uh, that, that they want. That's so true. I would say right now, a lot of the times, some people I've actually met with don't even know they have the problem. So you may hit them different up. levels. Yeah, different levels of that pain. Yeah. Right? Uh, like, you can hit them up. And I've had this when I was doing outreach to someone. And I, I would reach out to them, like, late last year, November. And they're like, no, like, don't take me off the list pretty much. Because they will know that that's something they have a problem with. And then I will follow up with them on LinkedIn. And then I have a great conversation with them. They're like, oh, yeah, you hit me at the right moment. Like, I didn't just start. They did just hired a consultant to help them with that problem. And they didn't even have the meeting with the consulting yet. I kind of did what the healthcare lady did to me. Um, but I reached out at the right time when they realized this is a problem and that I need to find a solution for that. So mm. just like you mentioned, there's different stages of that. They're, they may not be ready now, but if you play that long-term game, you will end up hitting them at a time where they realize that this is it. More importantly, you can even, you can even nurture them to help them become aware of the problem with resources, examples, um, uh, there's a lot of very, a lot of, uh, things you can do to share with them, right. That, totally. that can help them. And then big picture, I think this brings up the power of, uh, an MVP, right? A minimum viable product. If you're familiar with the lean startup book, that's, a uh, pushes hard on that. And I have a cool story recently of, of, uh, a client of mine and they, they, they're just, they know the, the. They know their client, the persona so well. Um, they usually attract people at a certain stage, right? But now they're they're pulling in people who are below that stage. They know what that person's problems are at that stage and what they will be, but they didn't have a an offer in their value ladder, you could say, to meet that need. So what did he do? He focused hard on speaking to that problem, and he had an offer that he could share, but he's building it live as he goes with them. And so it's that classic, you know, I heard it, I saw a crazy percentage, I don't know how accurate, accurate it is, but upward of 80% of successful products are more of a result of market-led strategies than product-led strategies. And, you know, 70%, what is it, of starters possibly fail to generate early traction because they, they don't sufficiently define and understand their target audience. It's just that power of making someone feel understood. And I think it's always the temptation. It's just insane how hard it is to actually clarify how much work it takes to simplify and really nail that messaging. That is so cool that you mentioned that because Steve Larson did the same thing where he, he um, and he didn't make this, but he explained it very, very nicely of how he did the seed launch where he would tell people, hey, I'm going to sell you on a solution that I want to provide to you. But just know this is the beta program, so you can go ahead and go through this through a cheaper price, and the re end result is this. And he will sell people on this idea without even having the product made at all. Yeah. So he would then take that Our first peak batch and then put them through the first week of training before he even start them. After he took the credit card payment, he asked him a, a survey and asked, what is it that you would like to see in this program, what would you like to achieve in this program? And with that information, he created their first week, right? And then put them, and then he says, okay, now that I got the, that server result, he created some um, a, a kind of an outline to give to them in that first week. And at the end of the week, he then asked them, 
what did you like? What didn't you like? And then he readjusted. And now when that second batch of people came the following week, he, he gave them, instead of asking that problem, he gave them what was, uh, what the reiterated version of what mm-hmm. the first batch of people experienced to the other group. And now he's, he's mastering this, this cycle of like, I'm giving you exactly what you want based on your own words. And then he used that to the six week process every week, asking them what would they like to see next based on the problem they just accomplished and yeah. use the seed launch to within six weeks, make $200,000. Yeah. Obviously there's a lot of tech involved there, but my God, that, wow, that's crazy. Like I just imagine if people felt confident in that process of actually actively building and what that looks like, they're probably confident. There's plenty of people that are confident in their, their, their expertise or their ability to build something. But to do it in that time crunch and tech and like the rapid feedback and, and it being public, that's a little scarier. Like that's where we've, I think we've fallen prey to that. That's where I've fallen guilty of. Like I've, I've developed the product way more. So, and now we're like, okay, dude, it's been ready. It's been ready. <laughs> now, now, now clear, get the message, product market fit, problem market fit, yeah. be disciplined with getting, getting, making noise and getting content out there and speaking to people and just iterate both the product and the messaging as you go. Right. So. I just think there's a lot of belief in there that uh, can also be hindered by, you know, people's technical um, abilities or fears that, you know, tech would be too hard to figure out to, to pull it off. If it's if it's an online type of thing, you know what I mean? Like a cohort or a, you know, a digital product or you're doing on live calls and that kind of thing. It can be, I don't know, it really challenges, doesn't it? Like, do I have what it takes? Um, and it probably depends where you're at in business and what results you've been able to get. You throw in a high ticket price and you like... I don't know. You can easily be like, man, well, it's a good pressure if you can, if you can put the right mindset on, right? That's the way I think about it. And we need to grow in that front. No, seriously, 90% of the battle is that having the mindset to accomplish, like, like just like we talked about with the, the, another story, right? With the, um, the fisherman who had two different rods, right? Maybe if you want to explain that story, because since I have all the stories, right? You know, that one more than I do. Yeah, I mean, hopefully I don't butcher this one. It was a great thread and a great little story. I don't know if it's a it's a real story or just a parable, but either way, nonetheless, powerful. Um, so the the concept is there's uh, there's two guys going out to fish, and you know they want to they want to build a fishing business or they want to be successful at fishing and and be profitable and grow something out of it. Um, and one guy takes his he just starts with what he has. He has the crappy crappy fishing rod. And he's just—he's the MVP. He's radically, ra- just radically iterating, switching it up, finding different locations, reinvesting. You know, he'll buy, get some fish, sell it, um, keep moving, upgrade the rod. Um, and then there's the other guy. He's like, man, I got to research. I got to understand these fish. Where's the best place to to go? Um, I'm gonna raise some funding and get a boat. Right? We're gonna get the best boat. Um, we want to just make sure we're we're ready to really crush it. And. Uh, by the time he spends all the time feeling good about, okay, I think we're ready. The other guy's already, he's already recruited a team. He's just rapidly iterated and built a fishing empire and taken up all the fish. <laughs> In a nutshell, that's the, that's the concept of, um, it's the whole, um, you don't need a, a fatter nugget. You don't need a fatter head. Like go actually at, pursue a project that's going to challenge you and help you find that sweet spot of like, push you into a flow because it's enough challenge to like push you out of your comfort zone, but it's not so daunting that you don't commit to it. And then just find, find the resources that are going to help you along the way. Not like, Oh, I got to read the top five books on uh, building an acquisition system. 
or like, you know, like I got to read all the sales books and do all these practice calls with my buddies before I, you know what I mean? Just go do like, go have conversations with people, scrape your knees. You say that all the time. I feel like that's your tagline, Daniel, like scrape your knees. Like, you know, what do we say? Eventually you'll, uh, you'll get calloused enough to where it doesn't even hurt. <laughs> yeah. No, that, that's a good point. I, I would say I, for me personally, um, I remember when I first landed the first three clients, um, and I remember in that moment after getting that opportunity, it was instantly 14K per month, right? And, and I didn't start with them yet. And I was just so worried, like, I need to have a team to help me fulfill this. I remember I was emailing people. I was hitting up my friends that were mentors in the past. And I remember hitting one of them up. His name was Richard, Richard Sargent. He's always been my, I guess, Sargent, my, my mentor in the game. And he took, he says, I asked him, I was like, yo, man, I just got all these these things and I need a, I need a team to get organized so I can handle these. And he says, and I tell him, he says, well, what, what, slow down, slow down. What, what happened exactly? And I'm like, well, I landed three roles and they're paying this amount of money. Um, and these roles require that I do this, this, and this. Um, and, and you know, like that, that's where I'm at. And he says, well, what's your problem? Well, I, I don't, I don't have, you know, I don't have, I guess the people to help me get it done. And he was like, well, do you know your, you know that what you need to do? Why are you here with me right now? Right. And I'm like, I guess that made me feel dumb. <laughs> but fast forward today, I feel like I needed an instant magic bullet, right? A silver bullet where it, it comes in and saves the day and fix all like this potential problem I had in my mind of, of these three clients. And I thought it would be horrible, but fast forward a year, mm-hmm. a year and a half now. I still didn't get that magic bullet, but I'm getting it done. I haven't had, I've yet to have a problem with, with, with those uh, clients where they're calling me out and something I messed up on, or I've, I had moments where I messed up and I had a solution and I fixed it, but I didn't, I was so scared to finally take that first step with those clients that I feel like I need to, I need to pay all the money that I had mm-hmm. to make sure I feel, make this pain go away. But in reality, going day by day was kind of a solution, figure out what, what problem I had it had in the moment and just kind of covering it up or fixing it and then just working with the next day by day, a year and a half later, it that was the answer. Just roll with it. Totally. Right? Dude, perception is reality. Yeah. Perception that's... is reality and it's uh and we talk about frames and how you see things, whether that's uh in light of uh how taking it down to the moment or um seeing it in the light I think like oh imagine you're an old like old old and gray Noah or Daniel is coming back in time you're waking up like I can feel I feel good again like like I'm not worried about this the things that won't worry you or you'll look back on you'll be like why do I stress so much about that like so much of our stress is self-induced and learning to like uh fight for the mind have accurate perceptions of reality so that you can rise to the occasion and push into um into the things and not, I don't know. I feel like our minds, not only are our minds always looking to forget things, but we're always looking to, um, add more comfort, like, you know, comfort and certainty are just boiling up as the, the, the biggest, uh, enemies to growth in my life right now. How do we confront those? Um, how do we look to God to help us, uh, find the strength and accurate perceptions of reality and, uh, live moment by moment? Cause all we ever have is this second you ever thought about that it's like a mind-blowing thing to think about no you are so right 100 percent. because i feel like a lot of the times we're we are our own enemy 
right? Like back in the day, we that stress that we have used to be to, you know, fight off a tiger when walking into a, a specific unknown area, right? Like, but now we have the stress adrenaline rush while sitting in your business desk, right? Like, yeah. it's it's not the same, but um, your mind is your biggest threat, and I feel like the biggest answer to that for anyone who is starting this out and feel like the imposter syndrome's coming in and now there's more stress coming in. The number one answer to that problem would be understanding that the your ideal customer and what problem that they have. Right. And if you know the problem, if you can research it, there's a lot of there's a lot of open source material for you to figure out what or pinpoint what that problem is for that person. And if you know the problem and you can start testing out the solutions, even if someone else have done it, right? And then test on yourself and then give it to them. It that confidence overcomes that fear, right? Like you've done it over and over again where you know, like, hey, I know I you have a level of certainty when you speak to the person where you know that you've already got a solution for them in the past. Yes. Right. Success like, breeds success. Yeah, exactly. And it's yeah. like it's just insane how not insane, but how easy that solution is. Just know the problem. Kind of like that one story of um, uh, Catch Me If You Can, when when Frank Abagnale was the teacher of an advanced biology class or whatever advanced sociology class, and when he he, he taught a whole semester, right? When when no one was involved, he taught an entire semester of an advanced class. When he finally got caught, the teacher asked him. Or at least the policeman asked him, "How did you, first of all, get get away with teaching an advanced class without, you know, without even getting caught?" First of all, but like, how did you do it? You don't even know this. And he says, "All I had to do was read one chapter ahead of the students, <laughs> give that to them." And it's like, but duh, you know, we've all had those moments where if we know the problem and you read one chapter ahead of that person with the problem. You have that level of confidence to not fool them, but to but to be seen as the leader toward them. You have the solution. Let me follow you wherever you go. Yeah, that's an interesting aspect here. It's like the, it brings up the curse of knowledge, or like you know the how you how we gravitate towards someone who's just like a few steps ahead, just like you just said. Versus, I mean, yeah, we could talk. To, you could learn from uh, someone who's ten steps ahead, or who's like just you know at unperceived levels of success that you can't imagine or just where you want to be 10, 20 years from now. But like someone who's just like unlocked something right above you, like it's so cool. Like not only are they more like on your level, um, but it's more relatable. And so like, I think it's, it can be easy to like, as you grow to um, both in our language or like back to the problem, right? If you're, if you're so many steps ahead of that person, you're trying to help. You can be talking at this level we're talking in terms that's not that's not where they are. Know where they are, not just what they eventually need. You may have what they eventually need up here, but know where they are right now, um, which comes in with a great, you know, classic framework for understanding the problem in the sales conversation. That's dude, like that. I think that's one one of the biggest reasons for why Russell Brunson wanted to get fired from his own business way back when, before he figured out what was the right thing, because he was teaching people how to build online businesses, right, to, to to become successful. And he was like, yo, I've learned four steps ahead, five steps ahead, and I want to teach you things at this level. But people were just coming in at level one and they were asking, how do I set up a domain name? How do I how do I create a hosting site? 
And he's like, oh, like, this is, yes, I see you have the problem, and but you're so far behind. I want to teach at this level. Like, yeah. oh, I hate this. Like, this work sucks, you know? And he explained that in his book, Dotcom Secrets, right? And just like you mentioned, knowing who you want to serve and at the level that they're at, you have to start pinpointing that so they can attract them versus yeah. attracting the entire scale. And then people will be confused along the way. So I think how you mentioned that, knowing where they're at, that that's a really powerful point where even goats like Russell have explained or felt that. Yeah, and having practical solutions, not just for them, but for for you, right? Like if you yeah. try to do done-for-you work, uh, you know, that level of a ticket of an offer to someone who you desperately want to help and you want to see them get out of that, you know, from level one to level two or whatever, it creates a lot of headaches because, or like one, you know, usually there's a price resistance there, but also like, you know, it's kind of this, you're just trying to fo force a, a square into a round hole in a way, square peg, um, just because they're not ready for that. Or maybe they, they are, but it's just not a good fit for you as the business and them as the the person. Does that make sense? Like they need probably more of a, hey, start start doing it yourself or do it together type of offer. It's the whole like, you know, as they climb, um, if you expand the options that you have to, to give them to serve, it's probably going to be more access, it's going to be more speed. Um, and as the business owner, it's kind of hard to figure that out, right? Of like, what, where do you start? Like if you just have one offer, where's it at on that scale? And who are you, are you picking someone at stage three? Or, you know, someone who's a starter or you want to, you know what I mean? Eventually you exactly. can expand it, but that's that's something, an interesting thing to, to, to talk about. Or I'd love to hear what other, um, how businesses pursue that. Like where do that's you start? As I love that. And if anything, I would love to be able to, I know that we've given a lot of information so far in our talk today for the entrepreneur who is getting things going, right? And we said so far that the, the Number one reason why seven you mentioned seventy percent of starters fail is because they they don't clearly define the audience that they're looking for. So mm -hmm. you can you can overcome older problems of like doubt, of fear, of even even uh, being called out for something that that you're not good at by just understanding who that audience is, what their problem is, and how and taking one step ahead and giving that to them. Right. So how can we make this episode more actionable for that person who is in that point? Noah, what would you what would you recommend or what how can we cap this off in a way where they're like, I know exactly what I need to do and I can do it in ten minutes or less? I think it comes down to figuring it out in public, figuring it out live and in front of people. Right? Because I've you spend it's kind of like the minimum vile product of your messaging, not just your product. So if you can just, you know, you have value, you know, you have solutions, put it out there and see what resonates with people. Qual quantity leads to quality. So if we, I mean, that's what we're trying to do, right? So I would say challenge ourselves, challenge yourself to, to put value out there and talk to people and uh, see what sticks and what resonates. Um, and then you can't, you can't discredit uh, something as powerful as like connecting with someone one-to-one, -one, like as you get a follower, someone literally did that to me. That's that I look up to in the AI community. I followed him on Twitter and then he DM'd me and he he saw that uh, he's kind of had to get a little bit candid with everybody, but he sent me a message and, and thought uh, we should chat and gave me his calendar and we hopped on a call. And uh, over time, I saw Noah Keegan, Kagan, how you say his name, AppSumo guy, mm -hmm. he put out something like this. He still does that, like connecting with people one-on-one. -on -one. It's kind of crazy. I mean, it's not what you would think as a 
you know, a business owner that uh, works on the business, not the business works on you, like, but it's powerful. So like, I think just, yeah, putting it out there and uh, connecting with people one-to-one so you can get, just like you do, you do a great job with that. Like asking people real feedback, like what, what resonates with them on a genuine curious level, like we started our conversation with. I love that. I love that. So taking what you said right now in the next 10 minutes, how you can take some action is to take a framework or a superpower that you're really good at for your customer, right? If you know their problem, I think the best way to to know that problem is if you experience and got a solution for that problem yourself. So if you're confident in that, yeah, if you're confident in that, you share that in your story and you put it out there live, live. So that way you can hear rapid feedback of what the person is experiencing and do that long enough. You can talk about the same thing in different ways long enough where people will start to hear you resonate with you and then and then want to talk to you but i think to add to that in case you don't have the superpower of the problem that the person's facing you can easily copy a framework of someone else make sure you call it out that it's a framework that they're using and say that hey shout it out live that i learned something and what's my origin story i had this problem and i came across this solution that that noah kagel nail noah kagan has or found a solution for and i want to represent it live so i'm going to do it live showing how it applies to my life in the next you know the next week showing you bits or frames of it and that's how you can get over that imposter syndrome of doing it for yourself live let people ask questions and then at the end of that all those people who ask questions live you can follow up with them and ask if you can do it for them live and now you're getting you're getting a way to get yeah, just like you said, awesome. you're putting it right inside of your, under your belt. Now you're doing it live for someone else when this snowball effect is starting to build credibility and then you're building the confidence to do it in front of others. But more importantly, you're getting the testimonials of that person. Yes. Now you can follow up the next week live. Look at what I did for this person. Now here's the link for you guys to sign up so I can do the next person live. So yes, hey, no worries. AI is just going to take everything Daniel said, put it into an SOPE, and then we just turn yeah. it into a resource you can download, right? Just follow it, checkbox. <laughs> that's it. I think that's it. That's exactly yeah. it. Yeah, you are an attractive character to people. Like, yeah. your, your story, your personal brand, if you want to call it that, is a part of your your niche. Um, I truly think it's the reason cover cover songs exist. You know what I mean? People don't just want to hear it from the main artist. They're like, man, I want to hear it from that person's perspective. I want to hear it from his pain, his story, his joy. Oh my gosh. And I think that's super powerful to remember if you're like, man, there's nothing new under the sun. People like, no, play the reporter, share how you've applied it to your life, how it, and people will resonate with you as a person. You combine that with a timeless framework. That's, I think that's special. Dude, that's an epiphany right there because my wife, she loves um, the country singer. Um, uh, his name is, is, um, Drawing a blank right now, but Marion Wallen. Yes, how's Morgan Wallen? Stalker. Uh-huh. <laughs> Morgan Wallen's pretty hot right now. Morgan Wallen's no, pretty so big in Kentucky. Yes. Okay. So she absolutely loves him, and she played a song. Um, it was a recent one. I think one of the most recent ones. Um, and we listened. She listened to our repeat kind of thing on Alexa. But mm-hmm. then when we when we asked Alexa, just give us some music that you like. One of the songs that Morgan Wallen sang was someone else's, like, word for word. And it. my wife was like, oh, like, like what the hell? Like, wait, 
Is that real? Like he just copied someone else's song? Like she thought it was his this whole time, but he just, just like you said, a cover, like re- did someone else's yeah. and she loved it. She loved it. She thought it was his. But, and she followed even more because of that. But when that happened, it hit us, it hit her hard. <laughs> like she was like, I'm going to take a seat. I need a seat. <laughs> Chill. Like, it's just like American Idol. Like, yeah. There's a, yeah, there's some really cool cats on there. That's this a one just like, Sing someone's song, but from the pain of losing his dad two months ago, and you're just like yes. over here, like crying man tears. You're like, dude, uh, the main idea is what the song was written about, but he it was his story, and they they preframed it with his story of losing his dad, and it's like, man, and it's just, it's the same song, it was the same song, but the same story thing. attached to that made it hit different. It's kind of exactly, like when bro. you have iPods and listening to your headphones when driving in the bus to school on a rainy day. It hits like that. If you guys know it, you know it, right? Yeah, you um, know it. Yeah, that's interesting. See, that's a whole new nugget right there that I'm glad that we're we're putting in um, because it it just gives an extra up. Like it's like beating that eight that eight. What was that? That um, four minute mile, right? If someone felt it, copying someone else and their success, and they're just copying the song word for word, you can do it and be just in its success as they are. Yeah, right. So keep that in it, mind. It can be the whole if if he can do it, so can I. So and that's that's the biggest thing, right? Like, yep. and if you know the problem with the user of your ideal customer, you can now just be a reporter, just like Noah said. Yep. Find the frameworks that's going to help your your person, and you feed it to them in a way where they take steps. They're going to be willing to take following steps to with, to you anywhere, because you help them find the the solution of the problem they have right yes. now. It all starts with your start with your story. Ask you, see what pains you've been able to overcome. Start there, and like if you can speak genuinely from that, attach it to a to an offer, that's, and just and rapidly iterate out and out live. That's I think that's I think that's our lesson for this one. That's it. That's what better that's way to what better time to join? Because you can join alongside us as we tr- as we pursue it as well. And now we gotta we're we're not the, the the problem we have here is that we're not doing it live. That's our problem. I think. Next week, we're going to start doing this live. We have to now. We're not, it's a, it's we a button click away. It's a click. Are we able to? Yeah, anyway? we can go straight to YouTube, Twitter, whatever. And we got to do that. So we got from now on. No, and that's it. I think yeah. I think we got to start doing it. If we're going to be uh, practice what we preach. the solution. What was that? Practice what we preach. Walk the walk. Practice what we preach. Yeah. Right. right. Okay. So so next week, uh, when we start jumping into this, we're going to start giving some solutions live. There we go. So that people can start seeing this along the way. And they start, and more importantly, start tracking the results of what we're getting because we are starting from scratch. Although we had success in in the phase three of this world, right? But we're 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 starting everything all over to prove it, and this is our way of proving it. So, and so let's go. Goals, yeah, let's go. Let's go. Right? I think that's a wrap this week, man. I, I feel like uh, let's go apply it. Let's go. Let's go. Uh, make it happen in our own worlds, and so we can come back with more stories and uh, yeah. lessons. And that will make success a little bit more open sourced. Exactly. Right. A little more open source. All right. <laughs> All right, guys. You guys have a good one. See you, man. Hey, thanks for watching the Success Open Source Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, we would love for you to subscribe and join the community. Until next time, take care and let's all make success a little more open source.